0: If you have your Bibles, uh, please open it up to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, um, if you have your Bibles, and, and we will be reading an important passage of Scripture. Um, it's very, very important. Uh, this week, we start looking at, it's, it's known as the, the Holy Uh, week where we recognize the death of Jesus and also the resurrection of Jesus. So today um, we will be looking at the crucifixion of Jesus. So as I said, if you have your Bibles, please open it up to Luke 23, Luke 23. Um, And we'll be reading from verse 26 all the way to 49. I know that it is a bit lengthy, but I think it's very, very powerful. Um, so Luke 23, 26 to 49. And it goes like this. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come, will come when you will say, blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved, us. He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And the next verse Sorry, my, my screen got stuck. But the next, next verse says, um, Don't you fear God, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you today, You will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. And then it continues, the centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people had gathered to witness the sight, saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the woman who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. And that is the word of the Lord. Right there where you're at, if you could join us as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for allowing us to worship you. And I pray today that we may see your son, see the sacrifice that he paid. We sang a powerful song today about the cross and the grace of Jesus, that he was a man of sorrows, a man who suffered on our behalf, Lord. And I pray that today as we prepare for this holy week, as we remember the cross, remember the resurrection, that we may look at what Luke wrote and see what Jesus did and, and allow it to change our lives. We pray this in your, your holy name, Amen. Amen. You may take a seat. Thank you all for coming today. I, I, I hope that you are blessed. But today we are looking at Jesus as he is going to the cross. The religious leaders had convicted him and now Jesus was going to face capital punishment. Jesus was carrying what would soon kill him. Jesus was carrying his cross to the mountain. The soldiers had put the cross on Jesus and made him carry it. The cross was two sticks that literally made a a cross. It made a cross with the two sticks. The Romans made it a widely used form of execution for criminals. The Romans used crosses to warn the public about crimes and shame the people, cause great pains to criminals, and slowly kill the criminal. The cross was so heavy in this case that the soldiers seized Simon from Cyrene and had him help Jesus by carrying the cross from behind. Jesus had a crowd following him as he went to face his death. The cross that followed him had... Women who mourned and wailed for him. It was truly a sad day. It's amazing to see that at least the women were aware of what was happening. You notice that an innocent man, Jesus, was going to die. Then Jesus turned as he was walking to this mountain. He turned to the women. And he told them not to weep. Instead, they should cry for themselves. They shouldn't weep for Jesus, but they should weep for themselves and for their children. Not for Jesus. Yes, it's sad that Jesus had died, that he's going to die. It is is sad, but, but he's the one through this that he's going to bring healing through his death. Jesus did not think that it was fitting for the daughters of Jerusalem to cry. Jesus saw that his death would accomplish something, something good. But it it does look sad. Jesus believed that what would take place with the women of Jerusalem and their children is sadder. Yes, Jesus is dying, but what's taking place with the women and their children is worse. And what was taking place there? He, he, he said that there will be a time when the mothers of Jerusalem will say um, that things are that that they wish that they wouldn't have any kids, that it would have been better if they didn't have any any children. That it, better is a, somebody who who would. Who wouldn't have any kids. And it's crazy. They literally said, Blessed are the childless, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Having children and child rearing could be one of the greatest blessings a woman or a man could ever experience. Children could be a handful, but I think most parents are eternally grateful for their children. Yet, Jesus is saying that there will be a time when mothers would have wished that they didn't have children. He said, blessed are the childless women. It's crazy to hear this today, but it was even crazier during Jesus' day. Because women during that time were seen as just people who gave birth to children. But still, Jesus said, a time is coming When woman will say, blessed are the childless woman. Scholar Joel Green said, children are generally seen as expressions of divine favor. But in the coming catastrophe, it is better to be barren. There's a time coming when children, when sons and daughters, when they are going to do horrendous things, horrible, horrible things, and they're going to suffer horrendous things. Things so horrible that mothers would say, blessed are the childless woman. And they would say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hill, cover us. This is a quote from Hosea 10.8. The women who followed Jesus were crying, but a day is coming when they will suffer horrible things. They will tell the mountains to fall on them. Why would the woman tell the mountains, say to the mountains, fall on us? Obviously, it was a figure of speech. It was signifying that the pain that they would suffer would make them want to die but why would they experience this type of pain well it's as jesus said if people kill jesus sentence him to death when things are good when the tree is green if people are bad in good times what will happen when the tree is dry when things are bad Jesus was healing people, was delivering people from their pain. Jesus was restoring broken people. Jesus was preaching good news, preaching deliverance and freedom. But still, the sons of Israel, they conspired to kill Jesus. And and Jesus is saying, "Don't, don't cry for me. Instead, instead, cry over the fact that your children sentence me to death. Cry over the evil hearts of the people and the subsequent destruction that they will face. The New Testament scholar, Fred B. Craddock, said, Jesus tells them that the greater cause for tears is unbelieving Jerusalem. People are faulty we saw it with peter we saw it with judas and we see it today people are sinful in good and bad times sin is horrible it's crazy to think that people are capable of killing jesus an innocent man this day which is the Sunday before Resurrection Sunday, we will remember the cross as we should remember it on Good Friday and remember it every day. But as we remember the cross, we should also focus on what Jesus said as he went to the cross. People killed him when he was doing miracles. That's something to fast about, something to cry about, Something to mourn about. An innocent man died. There were two other men with Jesus. These these men were criminals. They weren't innocent like Jesus. But they were being executed like Jesus. They went to a mountain called the Skull or Golgotha. This mountain probably got its name by what happens at its peak. People are crucified there. And then Jesus said something quite shocking. He said a quote that we probably all know. It's quite iconic in Western culture. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Crazy stuff here. Jesus had just explained how people are supposed to cry over the sinfulness of humans. He turned our eyes on the sins of people that they were murdering Jesus. And we weep because we know how serious sin is. It's so serious that it led Jesus, the Son of God, to the cross. Our attention is on the sinfulness of humanity. But Jesus' attitude over the sins of people, his attitude in verse 34, is an attitude of mercy and forgiveness. As he was dying on the cross Jesus prayed what he taught Jesus prayed what he taught us his disciples to pray he prayed that God would forgive those who have sinned against him that God would forgive those who were murdering him Jesus was trying to understand those sinful people who were killing him. In fact, Jesus concluded that these murderers didn't understand what they were doing. That, that's uh, that's kind of crazy. This type of forgiveness is crazy, weird, and it just doesn't feel right, like, A victim is not supposed to pray for his or her perpetrator and say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. No, the victim should be vindictive. The victim shouldn't show grace or understanding. But yet, that's exactly what Jesus does. He prays over his murderers. And while Jesus was praying, his murderers didn't care. They divided up his clothes by casting lots, just like Psalm twenty-two eighteen 18 predicted. They are saying, who wants this dead, dead man's clothes? Being stripped of one's clothing signified the loss of personal identity. And people just stood there watching. And rulers even sneered at him. They saw Jesus, the, the one who was supposedly the son of God. They saw and maybe thought, this, this is the son of God? This, this man who is being crucified is the Messiah, our, our savior? Yeah, you're right. They saw Jesus in this place of weakness. They couldn't conceive that their king would be in a place of suffering, They couldn't conceive that he would be shamed on the cross. They said to each other, this guy said that he could save others. But if he is really the chosen one, the Messiah, then he should save himself. The soldiers also joined the fun by mocking Jesus. They said, if you are the king of the Jews, as the sign above Jesus said, save yourself then. Evil and sin blinded the people. One criminal on the cross next to Jesus joined the masses. He insulted Jesus by saying, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The religious rulers, the soldiers, and one of the criminals were all in the same boat. They were mocking Jesus. Everyone was united. Even enemies were united. Jew and Gentile, they were all together in this this front. They wanted to ridicule Jesus. They all missed the point. They missed that Jesus' suffering was necessary to royal identity and salvation. They saw his suffering from the cross and his death as a sign that Jesus wasn't the son of God. Jews and Gentiles, Judeans and Romans, all were insulting Jesus. But there was an ex- unexpected one. Somebody who no one expected. This person did something different. It wasn't a ruler religious scholar or a thought leader, it was an outsider. It was a criminal, a good-for-nothing evildoer. A criminal went against the crowds when he said, don't you fear God. The criminal saw that all of this was wrong. Instead of fearing God, people were maligning God's instrument of salvation. Jesus was the Son of God. And what happened is not because of the weakness of the Son of God, but rather what happened demonstrated the depths of the sinfulness of humans. The criminal recognized that he deserved the cross. He was a criminal. He told the other criminal, we deserve the cross. We are getting what our deeds deserve. But Jesus, he has done nothing wrong. With the cross, we see the worst of humanity. Humans are capable of killing Jesus, the Son of God. But amid this disgusting scene, there is goodness. An outsider recognizes the truth. Evil people deserve the cross. Jesus does not deserve the cross. And the criminal recognized that Jesus would still have his kingdom... Therefore, he asked Jesus to remember him in the kingdom. Jesus answered the criminal who deserved the cross. He looked at his confession and said that this criminal who lived a sinful life would be with him in paradise that day. And that's pretty crazy. There are horrible people in this world but you who recognize Jesus, even if you were a criminal or a marginalized person, guilty of sin, guilty and deserving the cross, we deserve the cross, not Jesus. But when you ask Him, when you ask the one who suffered on your behalf, when you ask Him to bless you, you can break with the crowd. You can say, I am guilty, not Jesus. And then you tell Jesus, remember me. And Jesus will respond, I will remember you. And you will be in paradise with me. If Jesus could do that with the criminal, he could do that with you. After Jesus answered the criminal, the land became dark. The sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. God's kingdom, God's glory. The king's glory was enclosed in the temple, but now, since the curtain of the temple was torn, God's glory could be experienced by all. Then Jesus called out, Father, Into your hands I commit my spirit. He was a purposeful man. Jesus wasn't a helpless victim. He was always in control and he trusted in God. In fact, Jesus' trust never wavered. He always trusted. In his last words, he freely gave his life away. And then he breathed his last. The Son of God has died. The King of the eternal kingdom, dying on a shameful cross. Crazy. But, but Jesus knew that this would happen the kingdom would come. In the midst of the darkness, there is light. God is still present. Once Jesus died, a bystander, an unexpected bystander, a centurion, a, a Roman soldier, he, he praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. Jesus' submission, Jesus' forgiveness, Jesus' obedience had caused a centurion to worship This centurion was amazed that Jesus, through all the insults and and all the assaults, he never doubted that this was the will of God. On the cross, Jesus continued to call God Father. He knew that he was still God's son. He remained steadfast and gave his spirit to God upon death. Further, Jesus looked at his accusers and forgave them, Yes, Jesus was dying, but how a person dies can really reveal what type of person he or she is. And as Jesus died, the centurion observed that this man was a righteous man. He saw the truth. He saw that Jesus, he saw Jesus' true identity and realized in Jesus' presence, in Jesus' dying presence, that he was in the presence of God. He realized that this man was righteous. A centurion and a criminal broke with the crowd. They saw the truth. The crowd Beat their breasts. They, maybe they were sad. They, they were mourning over the death of Jesus. and But then they just went on to live their lives. Those who said that they would die for Jesus. The disciples who gave up everything to follow him. They stood at a distance. Watching these things. That's the story of the cross. It's crazy to think that this brief record in luke more than any other event has stirred the mind heart and soul of the church it's a straightforward report of what happened to jesus but yet it has inspired poetry music and sermons how how do we respond to the death of jesus as we close, we respond by doing what the centurion and the criminal did. The criminal acknowledged Jesus' innocence as his own need for Jesus' blessing. The Gentile centurion affirmed the faithfulness of Jesus as the suffering righteousness. We must likewise be sympathetic towards him. Through suffering, Jesus has fulfilled his divine purpose. From the cross, Jesus asked God to extend forgiveness. At that time, he extended forgiveness to those responsible for his crucifixion. And if he can forgive them, he can certainly forgive us. And from the cross, he offers forgiveness to us. Jesus is the king who died on the cross because of humans. In the cross, we we find forgiveness. The cross is not a sign of defeat, but a sign of forgiveness. Through it, we can all have access to forgiveness. The cross seals the identity of Jesus as the Messiah, and king who accomplishes the divine purpose as a suffering one. And I close with the words of Augustine, and I really love what he said here. You are a Christian. You carry the cross of Christ on your forehead. The mark stamped on you teaches you what you should profess. He was hanging on the cross which you carry on your forehead. Do not delight in the sign of the wood, but in the sign of the one hanging on it. When he was hanging on the cross, he was looking around at the people raving against him, putting up with their insults and praying for his enemies. While he was killing him, While they were killing him, the doctor was curing the sick with his blood. And I really like that. While they were killing him, the doctor was curing the sick with his blood. He said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. These words were not futile or without effect. Later, thousands of these people believed in the one they murdered, so they learned how to suffer for him, who had suffered for them at their hands. Brothers and sisters, we should understand this from this sign, from this stamp that Christians receive even when they become catechumens. From this, we should understand why we are Christians We are Christians because Jesus has died on the cross. Without that, we wouldn't have forgiveness. We would be away from God. But fortunately, Jesus has died. And he died for us, us sinners. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for your grace and your love I pray that everyone here may recognize that you are good, that you are holy, that you are amazing. Jesus, you died on that cross for us sinners. The criminals deserved the cross, not you. But you went there willingly and you took what you didn't deserve. You took what we deserved. And we are so thankful for that, that if we believe our sins, our mistakes, our put upon that cross, that we are forgiven because you, God, you are a God of mercy. We are so blessed. And I pray for anyone here who needs to be reminded of that, that they may know that you are a God of mercy. Let them know, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen.